People have been calling up going, how come your sermons are not on the website? I said, I don't know. Satan's been working against us. He's been in the machinery. So now hopefully we got Satan kicked out the machinery. We get all business. Amen? Amen. Brother, I want to correct you with one thing. You got family. Take a look at him. This is family. Amen? Because I'll tell you something. I've been all over this world, and I've been in places far and wide. And when you are far away from your natural family, you are always with the people of God. Always. So you're never alone. Don't think that way, okay? Because we're here. Amen, church? You know, it's going to be a good day. I was reading the paper this week, a rare thing for me. I don't like to read very much. You know, if you read, you learn things. If you learn, your brain expands, and that hurts. So, according to the Yahoo News, Forbes magazine voted Raleigh, North Carolina, the second hottest place to live in America, and not the temperature. They said, according to the, to the rate of the immigration, people moving into the city, and the uh, strength of the economy, we have the second best economy in the United States, in Raleigh, North Carolina. Isn't that a blessing from the Lord? We live in a good place. People are dying, traveling to get here. So, you know, thinking about that, how many of you guys have a 401k or a Roth IRA, some sort of savings plan, right? One thing they always stress in American business is you need to, like, give 10% to the Lord, put 10% in savings, and then take 80% and live on it. I'm going to slide this down, because if I don't, I'm going to spit myself today. You can hear me. Anyways, that's, that's the 80-10-10 plan, right? Give 10 to the Lord, put 10 in the bank, and live on 80%. We are so conscious about our money. The question I want to ask you today is, how is your IRA? You know what an IRA is, right? Individual retirement account. So how is it? How is it doing? Is it prospering? I know when the economy fell out, a lot of people lost everything they had. Amen? A lot of people lost everything they had because it was all in stocks and bonds and volatile things that go up and down. So we all want to put something away for the future, right? I want to put money away for my daughter to go to college someday. I, I don't think $5 will go very far, but she'll have to do her best with what I got, you know? So here's the thing. We, I want to put something away, but let me ask you, will it last? Will that money you put in the bank be here next week, next month, next year? Are you trusting in your money to give you a good future? If you are, I want to draw your attention to the book of 1 Peter. We are traveling through 1 Peter, so open up your Bibles, turn on your nooks, activate your cell phone Bibles, whichever way you get there, get there. 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to start with verses 8 through 9 today. Verses 8 through 9 today. IRAs are all about investing, and if you're going to invest, investment requires confidence, right? You have to have confidence in the bank confidence in the company that handles your 401k, whoever handles your Roth IRA, you have to have confidence in them that they're going to handle your money correctly. Here's the problem. In this world, many investments are made with Bertie Madoffs. They're made with people who are crooked, underhanded, who are going to steal you blind. <laughs> Let's not go there, brother. <laughs> I got to have some hope in the future. Yes. Social Security. Is it going to be there? I'm not banking on it. I'm paying into it, but I'm not banking on it being there. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 says this. 
You love him though you have not seen him. And though not seeing him now, you believe in him, speaking of Christ, of course, and rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen? This is about investing in eternity with confidence. We invest in this world. We put away money into stocks and bonds, and we hope, cross our fingers, cross our legs, that it's going to be there when we need it. But here's the thing. As believers, we are investing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Look at that very first verse. You love him. What does it mean to say that you love the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, it was a blessing to be back with the worship team today. I haven't played in a worship team in three weeks, four weeks. <laughs> it's my second great love, right after my wife. Second greatest love is playing. I don't do it well, but I do it anyways. It's fun. I love playing the bass. But this love that I have for music, that's an emotional attachment. And you may love to hear worship music. It may stir you to clap your hands. It may move you to cry. It may make you dance around. But that's not this kind of love. This is a love that is separate from emotion. We love the Lord Jesus Christ with a trusting love. With a love that is invested in what he has done for us. Look at this. You love him though you have not seen him. Of course, Peter's talking to all those people who came along after Jesus was crucified, buried, risen, and ascended into heaven. They had not seen the face of the Lord Jesus. They are us. We are these people. We've not seen the face of Jesus. What does it mean that we love him? It means that we trust him. We have put our belief, our faith into him. You love him though you've not seen him. And though not seeing him, you believe. I told you about this word before. This is the word pestuo. This is the word to believe, trust in, cling to, rely upon. Ladies, many of you trust in, cling to, and rely upon your husband, right? You believe in your husband. Just say amen, sister. There you go. <laughs> Gentlemen, you come, home, you come home for dinner. You trust in, cling to, and rely upon your wife. Not McDonald's, amen? Because <laughs> if you're trusting in McDonald's, you get a problem. Hopefully your wife can cook. If not, yeah, never mind. I'm not going to go there today. Anyways, you believe. You trust in the Lord Jesus. You cling to him. What does that mean? Sometime in the past, you realized you were a sinner. Amen? You realized you had nothing to endear you to God. You were not in a right place with him. So you went to the Lord Jesus Christ. You said, Lord, I am a sinner. I need to be saved. You save me. Now, here's the thing. Satan comes along after you do that, and Satan starts to play with your head. Satan says, but look at your lifestyle. You don't live like a Christian. You don't talk like a Christian. You gossip and backstab like a heathen, like a lost person. You can't be saved. Just quit going to church. Quit studying the Bible. It's not for you. That's what Satan does in our heads to break us down so that we don't follow Jesus. He wants to damage that faith. Here's the thing. A lot of things in this world cause you to doubt people. You ever had somebody get between you and your spouse? Usually it's your mother-in-law, but that's okay. <laughs> you know you have in-laws and outlaws in your marriage, right? In-laws are the ones that are for you. Outlaws are the ones that are against you. Sometimes your in-laws are the outlaws. Okay, here's the thing. 
You have to have faith in the person you're married to. You have to believe in them. I believe in my wife. If I leave the house in the morning, and like yesterday, I went to watch our GGCF basketball team play, and they were valiant, and Elmer was screaming and, and, and loving them and encouraging them, and it, it didn't work, but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. No, it's all right. You cannot win every game. Amen? Sometimes in life we lose, and it's okay, because God is still God. He's still on the throne. Amen? So if I am gone... I trust and believe in my wife that she's not going to run out and spend me broke. I trust and believe in my wife that she's not going to burn the house down or wreck the car or sell my child. I believe in her. I have confidence and faith in her so that when I leave, I don't worry. Do you ever worry about your relationship with Christ? Do you get worried about that? You know, are you trying to earn God's approval? Are you trying to earn his love? Because you can't do that. You invest with Christ what you have, and you trust and believe in that. I love the way he put that. One author said this, To love Christ is to love a benefactor, from whom we have received a great benefit, even though we've never seen him. For instance, for many years, my wife and I supported a World Vision child in the Philippines. Her name was Edisa Molina. She lived in the southern Philippines, down around Cebu, Davao, somewhere down there. Anyways, you know, she always sent these little letters. Dear sponsor, thank you for your help, and thank you for supporting me. I went to school. I'm very healthy. I don't date boys, etc. Y'all get that one? Good. Okay. Here's the thing. We got a letter just a few months ago that said this. Dear sponsor, thank you for all your help, but I don't need you anymore. I found somebody else to support me. That was a kick in the teeth. We prayed for this girl for years. When we didn't have money to send, we sent her money because she needed it more than we did. And she said, we found somebody better to support us. Here's the thing. Sometimes we believers are like this. We're like this. Now, she's, she's like a 13-year-old kid. She's got a reason to be that way. Have we ever turned our trust away from Christ and turned it toward something else? toward works, toward the things that we do or the money we give? Have we ever put our faith in our own righteousness? Have we ever put our faith in what we do at church or in a church title? I know that there are churches far, far away, not this one, never this one. There are churches far, far away from here where people do what they do for a title, like teacher or deacon or pastor. They try to work to get the title because they think the title gives them something important. And those people become grasping, and they, they hang on to things long beyond their ability to bless it. You know what I mean? That's this kind of thing here. We have not seen Christ, yet we trust in him. We trust that my salvation is not anchored in my actions. It's anchored in my relationship to him. When you invest in eternity, you have to let it go, even though you've never seen the face of Christ. Why is it in the Philippines, the Virgin Mary shows up everywhere? The Virgin Mary is in cookies, and she is in windows in Manila. Honestly, the VM showed up in a window in downtown Manila. They had a picture of it, and there was this picture, and the sun was kind of doing this thing, and it was the VM. You know the VM's the Virgin Mary, right? It's an abbreviation. Okay, so the VM shows up everywhere. People who've had that kind of experience, suddenly their lives are changed. As if Christ could not change our lives. 
Some people, they, 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 they hunger for some kind of spiritual experience. They want to be slain in the spirit or have a laughing fit or they want to speak in tongues or they want to have visions. You don't need any of that. Peter says you love Jesus even though you've never seen him. He didn't say seek out tongues, seek out visions, seek out other experience. He said don't seek that. He says you love him. That's good enough. That's the symbol of your faith that you trust what you've never seen. But let's press on. You believe and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. He says, why do you express joy? Why did the songs that we sang today fill us with such joy? Why does it do that? I'll tell you why. Verse 9, you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Why do we believe in Jesus Christ so we don't go to hell? True? That is why we believe. What is the payoff for being a believer? Is it spiritual power? Is it financial wealth? There's preachers out there that are preaching. Oh, if you just give $1,000 to the church, God will give you back $10,000. I know that, brother. He's a liar. God never said he'd do that. He said, you get your crowns after you're dead. He says, if, 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 if they hated me, they're going to hate you too. That don't sound like a prosperity gospel to me. He says, you can expect to suffer and die. That don't sound like prosperity either. Sounds a lot like reality, though, doesn't it? Here's the thing. You are receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Why do we believe? Because we don't want to go to hell. We don't want to be separated from the God who loves us. But this word is interesting. You are receiving. How many people do you know think you get your reward after you're dead? No. No. You are receiving your reward today. Sitting here today, you are receiving the reward of your faith because right now, you are saved. You are being saved. You will be saved when Jesus comes back. That is the reward. That daily walk with Christ, that daily experience of being with him, that's the reward. Not wealth, not health, not financial prosperity or power over your enemies. It is Christ that is the goal of our faith, the saving of our souls. I love when he says this. Consider this. 1 John 4, 20 and 21 says this. If anyone says, I love God, ah, but he hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Why did we give money to a little girl in the Philippines? Is it because my wife's from the Philippines? No. Because Christ put a compassion in our hearts for other people based on the compassion that he showed us. Okay? If I really do love Jesus, like he says in verse 8, you love him, though you've not... If you really do love Jesus, it's going to come out in the way you act and treat others. Ladies... If you love Christ, it's going to affect how you love your husband. Gentlemen, if you really love Christ, it will affect how you love and persevere with your wife. What? It's a good word. Don't make me break every word down today. Here's the thing. It's tough to be married. Can I get an amen? amen. That's tough on everybody. You know why? Because we have an enemy and his name is the devil. The devil seeks to destroy Christian families, Christian marriages, Christian homes. Do you know that the very last act of the black mass 
of the witches' coven is to pray for the destruction of the marriages of pastors and deacons and church leaders? We lived in Dillon, Montana. Dillon, Montana has two things. Lots of cows and lots of witches. We had like a dozen covens in our area. You know what a coven is? That's 13 people hell-bent on destroying the church of Jesus Christ. And they were all around us. We had spiritual attacks manifold, worse in Montana than they ever were in Taiwan. Because the church of Satan, the witches' covens, pray for your destruction. They want your marriage broken. They want your family shattered so that your children will not see the power of Christ. That's what's so amazing about all this. We have to stay together. We have to remain confident. Just like the last week, we still don't have our stuff. It's still somewhere in West Virginia. Okay, it's there somewhere. After a while, your confidence in the trucking company diminishes. But your confidence that Jesus is good is not touched. You can go through financial hardship, but your faith in Christ is not touched. You go through marriage trouble, your faith in Christ is not touched. You go through trials and tribulations with your children, your faith in Christ is untouched. Because that's the one thing that doesn't waver. That's the one thing that doesn't change. So when I ask about your individual retirement account, that thing that you're looking forward to take care of you in the end times, it requires confidence to place all your faith in Jesus Christ. But 1 Peter 1, 10 and 11, it also requires research. Nobody invests in a company or in a fund without doing research. Amen? If you're going to buy into some sort of mutual fund or an IRA or a Roth IRA, if you're going to invest this money, you're going to spend time and you're going to research. You're going to look at where that money goes, how that money is invested. You're going to research, right? You're not just going to throw it at somebody because they look nice. See, Bernie Madoff was a master liar. He could lay things in front of you, lay figures and numbers in front of you, and you thought it was good so long as you didn't look at it carefully. You see, they invested with him because he looked good, not because his numbers were right. Same thing for many churches. People go to a church that makes them feel good. They go to a church where the pastor is young and skinny and, and good-looking, you know, Hollywood model. Never trust good-looking pastors, except for Ralph. You can trust Ralph. It's okay. Never, no, I'm just kidding. You're there. I had to pick on you, brother. Seriously, it's right there. But here's the thing. Listen to what the pastor says. Listen to what the church teaches. Listen to this. 1 Peter 1, 10, 11. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you searched and carefully investigated. They inquired into what time or what circumstance the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he testified in advance to the messianic sufferings and the glories that would follow. We don't believe in Christ because it makes us feel good. We believe in Christ because we have searched the word of God. We have read the scriptures. We have been through the Old Testament. We have looked at the prophecies. We have investigated and pressed in so that we know the claims of Christ are true. Lee Strobel is a great author. Lee Strobel was an atheist. His wife went to church and he hated the church. Hated the church. He said, woman, I'm going to prove to you that this Christianity stuff is nonsense. 
And Lee Strobel set about, he was a writer for the Wall Street Journal, he set about investigating this claims of Jesus Christ. You know what happened to him? He wrote a book. You know what the book said? I was wrong. Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God. There is salvation only through his name. You see, when you carefully investigate the claims of Jesus Christ, when you look at it, when you read it, when you go through the Old Testament from cover to cover, then you bring all of that knowledge into the New Testament. You can find absolute concrete proof that Jesus was the only one who could fulfill all the prophecies of the Old Testament. Can I get an amen from somebody? Have you ever done it? Have you ever gone through the Old Testament prophecy by prophecy by prophecy, checking it out, pushing it up against the life of Jesus? That's how you know the true Messiah from the false Messiah. Here's how you know a true pastor from a false pastor. The true pastor will tell you what hurts. The false pastor will make you feel good. A false pastor will tell you what you want to hear. Oh, God doesn't care that you're living with a woman as long as you like him. Oh, God doesn't care that you cheat and lie in your business so long as you give your tithe or almost give your tithe. Oh, God doesn't care what you do Monday through Saturday as long as you show up at church on Sunday. If you say those things, you will have thousands of people that will flock to your church. They will love you. When I went to seminary in California, I would go to San Francisco all the time. There was a church there called the Metropolitan Church. Metropolitan Church in San Francisco, California, had one teaching. Actually, they had three. One, homosexuality is good. Two, David was gay, therefore it must be good. Three, Jesus was gay, therefore it's blessed. That church took scriptures, one scripture here, one scripture there, and they twisted the meanings. They twisted the meanings and they preached it to the gay community, which is very large, in San Francisco. And they have thousands of members. You know why? Because basically the pastor says, you gay people, you're blessed. You're just like Jesus. You're gay. And you know what? They believe him. You know why they believe him? Because they want to believe him. They want to believe that their lifestyle is okay. They want to believe that they can do anything and God will accept them. Here's the problem with that. Homosexuality is not okay. David wasn't gay and neither was Jesus. Okay? There you go. Here's the thing. Be careful what you hear. Because there's lots of Bernie Madoffs in the pulpits of America telling people what they want to hear. Concerning this salvation, verse 10, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you searched and carefully investigated. How do we do that today? Acts 17.11 says this. Speaking of the Berean church. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, one, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Two, two steps. When the word of God is preached here, or is taught in a Bible study, or you hear a sermon on the radio, you need to be excited about the word of God. I listen to a lot of preachers. I listen to a lot of stuff on either iTunes or or there's a place called one, OnePlace.com, which has all the old sermons from, the, from back in the days when I was young, you know, the 1700s. Y'all missed that one, huh? Any, I'm not that old. Anyways, I listened to a lot of sermons, and I've noticed something. The older the sermon was, the better it got. The more biblical it became. 
the more right and solid. And you know what? That's my thing. My thing is this. If all I preach is this word, then you are going to go back home. You're going to receive that word. But you're going to investigate. You're going to go, I don't know if he was right about that. I don't know if that scripture says exactly what he said. I expect you to go home and check it. I expect you to go home in your Bible and open it up. And right there next to all those verses is those little bitty writings in little bitty hard-to-read text. You know what that is? That's a reference that will point you to other scriptures that will show you how to understand that scripture. So if you want to understand 1 Peter 1.10, you go to Acts 17.11 and it will help you understand it. The Bible is the best interpreter of the Bible. Stay within the book and you are safe and sound. He says this, they inquired into what time and what circumstance the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he, the Holy Spirit, testified in advance. How do we know Jesus was the Christ? Because everything the, the Messiah would go through was prophesied in advance. You can write it down. There's some 140 unique prophecies and a lot more that, that overlap about who Jesus is. And it is impossible for any man, even though he tries his hardest, to fulfill every single one of those prophecies. Yet Jesus did it. He fulfilled every single prophecy. That's why Lee Strobel, trying to destroy his wife, trying to tear down the church, with all of his intelligence, all of his degrees, all of his education, he could not find a flaw in the word of God, even though he tried with all of his strength. Any man who's ever tried to tear down the word of God by looking at the word of God will fail and become a believer. It's that strong, amen? Never be intimidated by so-called experts, by people who have PhDs and, and MDs and other Ds. Don't get intimidated by that. You know the truth. Stand up on it. Have that confidence. Do that research. You know, the very day that Jesus entered... Jerusalem, on that victorious Sunday he came in, on the back of that donkey, that day was prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years in advance. You're going to hear that sermon closer to Christmas. As you get along, you're going to find out I love prophecy. I love prophecy because whatever it says is going to happen, it happens. And it's not some vague thing like Nostradamus. It's specific events, times, and people. And that's how you know. If you would put time into investing money, you should put all the more time into investing your spiritual life. You know why? Our children won't do it. But if you sit there with your children, as I do with my daughter, and I make her watch my boring biblical programs, and I make her sit there, and I'll point things out to her. And you know what? It sticks in her brain. And slowly it's going to build up in her mind, and she's always going to have a defense for her faith. She's never going to be caught off guard. You say, but I don't, I don't know all that. Okay, you don't know it. Learn it. Start today. Start today. Start matching these scriptures up. Start putting them together so that you have a solid foundation for your faith that not even Satan can pick apart and tear apart. My last church, everybody got spooked by the, two th the, by the um, 2012 thing, right? The 2012, you know, the Mayan calendar thing. And I said, look, is that in the Bible? Well, no, but the Mayans, the Mayans aren't here. Yeah, but they have prophecies that are so specific. Really, are they that specific? Well, I don't know, but I heard on a program on the History Channel. Don't trust the History Channel. Don't 
trust anything until you check it out. You know what's amazing? History Channel came out a few months ago and said this. Oops, we were wrong. It's not 2012. We misread some of the characters. We now think it's 2112. Do you know why they said 2012 isn't the date? Because that's next year. They can't milk it out for another 100 years. So now they've changed the date. It's 100 years away. And when we get close to that date, if Jesus has not come back, they're going to push it back again. You know why? Because they are flying blind. They have no truth on their side. Okay, this thing about everything being in advance, that's where we cling. Okay, what have we said so far? So one, when you invest in eternity, it requires confidence in the person that you invest with. Amen? For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I believe that Jesus can hang on to me through eternity. Also, it requires research. Why do I believe? Because I've spent a lot of years of my life going over this Bible from front to back, back to front. I've never found a lie or a contradiction yet. Now, one guy tell me, but the Bible says Judas Iscariot died two ways. I said, really? It says two different ways. Yes, one says he was hanged on a tree, and the other said his body was picked up from the bottom of a ravine, broken up, and his blood spilled. I said, do you know why? No, it's clearly a problem in the text. I said, no, it's not. How did people hang themselves in those days? I don't know. We'll go back and read the records. They would find a hill or, or a valley peak with a tree on it. And they would tie themselves to the tree. They would jump off the thing and break their neck. Here's the problem. They never found them hanging. Well, why is that? Well, because the trees were old and brittle, and after they hung there for about six hours, the weight of their body would break the limb, and their body would fall to the bottom and split open. Oh, so you think it's possible that two people saw the same event, one after he killed himself, one after he fell? Well, yeah, I guess. So the Bible's not wrong. Oh, okay. You see, they don't think things through. They look for any excuse to defeat the Bible, so they don't have to believe. The problem is, they're out of evidence. Final one. 1 Peter 1.12, the last thing that investing requires is this, endurance, perseverance. That's why I used the word earlier. We persevere in our marriages. Is every day in the marriage happy? No. Is every day trouble-free? No. Is any day trouble-free? Yes. You've got to have some hope in there somewhere. <laughs> investing in marriage requires being able to go through the hard days to get back to the good days. 1 Peter 1.12 says this, It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves. You'll need to underline that in your Bible. They were not serving themselves, but they were serving you. These things now have been announced to you, though those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Angels desired to look into these things. Here's the thing. Everything the prophets had was revealed to them. Interesting. The word revealed means take the cover off. Now, if you look back there, it's pot blessed day. Amen. Every day is pot blessed day. Some things have a cover on them, right? Now, you can sit here and you can kind of guess. That looks like chicken. That looks like adobo. That could be pancit. I don't know. You can be guessing at stuff all you want to. But you know what? As soon as they take the cover off, it's revealed and you know what it is. That's the whole thing. A lot of things were said in the Old Testament that were covered up. Until the time of Christ, when he took the cover off. 
It's been revealed to us everything the Bible was talking about. So we don't have to guess anymore. We don't have to wonder. We know because of what we see. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves. The prophets who prophesied knew they would never live to see the fulfillment. Let me ask you a question. Would you serve Jesus your whole life if you knew you would never live to see the second coming? Everybody thinks Jesus is going to come back tomorrow. Personally, I'm hoping for the day after. I want to get my stuff first. No, just kidding. I know Jesus is going to come back soon. I don't believe for a second I'm going to make it to old age. Because I know the world is just too messed up. Okay? Jesus has got to come back. But guess what? Every preacher who ever preached before me, from Charles Haddon to Wesley to so many others before him, to Martin Luther, all believed they would see Jesus. Paul believed he would see Jesus in his day. Is it okay that Jesus delayed a little bit? Yeah, that's okay. Jesus can come back anytime he wants to. Am I willing to serve Christ every day of my life, even though I have to go through death, even though I have to go through cancer, even though I have to go through a debilitating disease at the end of my life? Am I still willing to serve Jesus? Yes, I am. Because if all I am is one voice in a string of voices, that's okay. I saw a painting once. It was of a pastor standing in a pulpit. And behind the pastor, in ghostly colors of yellow and green, were the figures of Moses and Elijah and Elisha and John the Baptist. And in the center of it all was Jesus. You know what that says? I am one in a series of voices. I am not the end of it all. I'm not the pinnacle of it all. I am just one voice carrying on the message that began 6,000 years ago when God spoke the world into creation. And 2,000 years ago, when Jesus said, until I come back, go take my gospel to the ends of the earth. I'm just one voice among many. And if I have to die, that's okay. But I'm going to stay faithful to him the rest of my life, no matter what it costs me, because it's worth it to pass it on to the next generation, to my daughter's generation, and my granddaughter's generation, and my great-granddaughter's generation. What you do today, you pass on to the generations yet to come. What you build in GGCF, you pass along to the generations yet to come. You see all these old churches around here in Raleigh, North Carolina? You see all them old churches, they say 1901 or 1855, whatever? The pastors who preached in them, the people who served in them, the voices that sang in them back when the churches were new, 150 years ago, their voices still echo because they live in the halls of heaven. Amen? Do y'all believe that? I'm just curious. It's amen, somebody. You see, what you say today, what you do today lives on in eternity. Because you are serving a Christ who does not die. And your voice will not fade. And your, your actions will not fade in eternity. Whatever you do for Christ goes on. And that's the important thing. These things now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit. Whatever happens here in this pulpit, up on this stage, the songs that are sung, whatever's taught in your home, uh, Bible study groups, whatever happens in there with our kids, that's all by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's He that drives us. It's He that motivates us. Amen? Isn't that why you're here today? So that you can learn and be a better servant of Christ?
Isn't that why we come today? We are not serving ourselves. We are serving the generation yet to come. Lenny and Katrina have invested the last couple years of their lives in the next generation of this church. And someday they'll leave. And they'll go do it somewhere else. And 30 years from now, I'll leave or die, whichever happens first. (laughs) And another generation will rise up behind me. And that's okay. We just keep the gospel message going forward. So how's your future looking, church? Turn your attention away from your IRA, away from your money, your 401k. Turn it away from that. And ask yourself, what have you invested in eternity? What have you invested in the future of the work of Jesus Christ? One, do you have faith in the one entrusted to handle your investment? You've invested everything you have with Jesus Christ. Not just your tithe, not just your offering. Why does Elmer serve with that GGCF basketball team? Does he hope to become a professional coach someday? Is this a conduit where he can get power and glory? No. He's just going to keep sweating and loving and giving because he hopes to lead those kids into a closer walk with Jesus Christ. And the only way he can do that is by having faith that Christ will work through him. Isn't that right? That's your hope. Not in your own powers, not your own abilities, but what Jesus is doing through you in the lives of those kids. I saw those kids. They are touched by you and by Chesley and by all the love that you show them. You are affecting their future, and it's Christ who works in you to do that. Two, have you done your homework to be convinced that this investment is true and lasting. Is there anybody here today that is not firmly 1,000% convinced that every word in the Bible is completely true and accurate and lasting? I'd be willing to bet there's five or six people here. You think the Bible's a good book. It's an interesting book. But it's not 100% true. It's not 100% accurate. You think there's some good stories in there, but you're not sure if they really apply to your life, if they really should change the way you do things. Ah, Or maybe something you've heard in church or in a Bible study has pricked your conscience, maybe about the way you live or the way you act or the way you carry on. And you say, well, you know, God doesn't really hold me accountable. God loves me. God will forgive me. I really don't have to live up to that standard. I would challenge you, if you believe that, go back to the Bible and prove that. Because you'll never be able to do it because it's not there. Don't tell yourself things to make yourself feel better. Allow God's word to do the surgery on the little bitty cancer spots that we all have inside of us. We all have little spots of bad doctrine and bad thinking that God needs to get out of us. Finally, now are you willing to go the distance, knowing that you don't get the payoff until you retire? We all get the big payoff when we retire, amen? We know that right now we are receiving the salvation of our souls, the strength for everyday life. We receive the joy of our salvation. It's amazing. You know, the psalmist said, bring back the joy of my salvation. You know why? Because the world can take it out of you. The world can bleed away the joy of your salvation. The world can take away your joy of being a believer. And that's why every Sunday, every morning, in fact, we say, Lord, bring back the joy of my salvation. Restore it to me so that I can live a victorious life. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day. And thank you for these people. Lord, I I bless you and praise you. God, I pray that uh, today you will open up hearts. 
Lord, I know that we're all worried about our investments. We're worried about the future. We're worried about what we've set aside for ourselves. Will it carry us through? Uh, will it take care of us in our old age? Will we have enough money for doctors and medicines and travels and trips? But God, I pray we would put away those earthly things. Even though we live in the second most prosperous economy in America, God, help us to look deeper. Help us to look at GGCA and ask the question, Lord, are we fully investing, Lord, in the work that you've set before us? Lord, there are lives that come here that need to be touched by the gospel. There are people that need to be moved by the word. And God, we need to be touched and moved by the word. And so, Father, I pray you would pour out your blessing on us today. Father, restore our confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ, our confidence for our marriages, for our businesses, for our children, and for our own personal walk. Father, some of us have drifted far away. We've become hollow, and we have just gone through the motions, Lord. But Father, I pray that today, today you will excite us and fire us up, restoring our faith. And that, Father, once that faith is restored, God, that we will search your word. We will find every truth, find every fact. We will know everything that lies behind the great promises made to us in the New Testament. And the Lord, I pray that we will be willing to be strong, that we'll be willing to do whatever it takes to preach the gospel to our children, to our grandchildren, that God, we will not forsake the GGCF basketball team. And we won't just give them money, Lord, but we'll give them our time. We'll give them our prayers. We'll give them our love. We'll give them our support, Lord, that they might be built up into the men that you desire them to be so that they can serve you throughout this area. God, I pray each of us will take the time, Lord, to rise up, to be a better father, a better mother, a stronger grandparent with a stronger message of who you are, Father, to pass along to that next generation. In Jesus' name, amen. Worship team is going to come now and give us a little time of response. If you need me, I'll be here if you want to talk. Love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, kindness of a Savior.
Jesus conquered the grave. 